the Millennium Falcon. We think we know everything about it, but do we? There's a new piece in Entertainment Weekly that highlights uh, a few interesting tidbits about that old uh, freighter. In The Force Awakens, we're going to talk about it, and Gwendolyn Christie, as well as the other uh, news of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, it's officially single digits until we see The Force Awakens in theaters. Falcons flight with destiny. That's the sound of uh, Falcons flying with Destiny. The uh, the hashtag burning up the Twitter sphere. Hashtag Falcons fly with Destiny. <laughs> we kind of made it a thing last week. Oh boy, howdy! Do we have a great show for you? Cannot wait. I'm Riley Blanton, your host. I'm going to bring him in. It's Mr. Steve Glosson. What's up, Steve? What's happening, man? Oh, not too much. Just you know, nine days. Until the Force Awakens, is, is it nine? Nine days. Is it nine days? Uh, well, eight if you. I guess if you count the midnight screening until the wide release. Yeah, I'm just thinking to the 18th. I I, I guess I go ten days today since it's the eighth. Oh, that's true. Uh, and see, this is my problem: is that I'm uh, as I will queue up here on the video version. I have my handy dandy how many days remaining until the Force Awakens, and it's saying nine days, six hours, and fifty three minutes. So maybe well, that's that's, I, the, that's right. That's counting down to midnight of of the eighteenth. So that's right. Oh, I just okay. you know nine nine I'm and just, some change. Nine and some change here. Uh, yeah, I guess if you go by the fact that we'll be be actually seeing it, and many people who see it on the midnight premieres or the earlier premieres on the seventeenth, we're at we're at eight days. I know, man. It, more importantly, is the this number seven days until you're coming up to. Uh, Near Atlanta, not quite. We're saving you from the city limits, but you're coming near Atlanta to Fayetteville, Georgia, where we will meet up and get ready to take off to Austin, Texas. How are you feeling? Uh, I mean, I, I can't even talk. Like the last two episodes at the beginning of the show, I just get so increasingly excited <laughs> in these last few days. I'm just like, how are you feeling, Steve? How's it going? Man, I am the old curmudgeon in the room, and I hate being that guy. You are, kind of. I'm not going to lie. On this, on this show, it's like we need, I call them Take, take Ourselves Down Tuesdays. We just like to temper ourselves a little bit. <laughs> and, and how sad. How sad is that? Because I'm like, I'm supposed to be Mr. Excitement, Mr. Positivity. But I'm telling you, I, you know, we were talking off air before the show got going about what you guys were talking about last night. With the with the press conference, the Jar Jar comments, the Ewok comments, you know, of course, now, look, George Lucas has seen the movie. He said it was great. That really encouraged me. Um, I believe I, you're I'm exact- up and down. I, I'm a roller coaster of emotions with this thing, but I'm, my butt's going to be in the seat. I'm hoping I am really hoping that it moves me the way that Creed moved me um, when I saw Creed uh, last week. And I, I don't know if I said this on Star Wars Tonight yet. I said it on Geek Out Loud that Star Wars has a long way to go mm-hmm. to to outdo what Creed did for me as far as just being my favorite movie of the year so far. And, you know, look, but here's the deal. 
Here's the deal. My sickness. I'm right now drinking out of a Force Awakens Tervis tumbler nice. that was given to me by my good friend Suzanne. I was um, I, I was just uh, organizing some Journey of the Force Awakens trading cards before we got going. I'm surrounded by uh, Star Wars collectibles here in the Star oh, Wars room. So, yeah. So, I mean, there may be a bit of a hypocrisy to what I'm saying. Uh, and maybe it's just me subconsciously trying to... Um, you know, keep my keep my expectations in check, but I don't want to bring down anyone else's fun. That's that's the old thing is I don't want to rain on anyone else's parade because I'm enjoying the fact that everyone else is enjoying the lead up and the build up. It is. It is. It is at a frantic pace, and I don't think. Um, I, I actually kind of like Tuesdays are are keeping my sanity actually because uh, you know <laughs> like we were um, as as we and we'll talk about it more later in the show but uh, we've been doing these watch parties for the movie live um, on mm-hmm. Twitch and uh, I'm doing stuff like I'm just buying way more I, I was I, I talked on I talked to Teresa yesterday on the phone I give her a call and, I, and, and this is the exact first word she's like hello and then I'm like Teresa. I have darkened the doorway of a Toys R Us for the first time in 10 years. <laughs> she just started laughing. But it's true. It's like I have, I'm, buying, I'm buying Lego sets, the micro fighters. Um, yeah. It's, and, and I'll tell you this, Steve. I kind of mentioned this on yesterday's show. There's never a better time to be a Star Wars blogger and podcaster because it's just, you know, in the realm of hip-hop, they say stacks on stacks on stacks. Here it's, uh, it's swag on swag on swag. Because right. uh, Verizon just sent us these really cool, I'm going to show them up on the video here, uh, virtual reality uh, smartphone goggle things, um, that technology here. Empire Magazine yep. just sent us all of their variant covers for this month's magazine. Like People are mailing oh. us uh, stuff right and left, and I, of course, I'm not saying no. It's just like... Hey, I, I got some, I've got some swag myself. Oh, yeah. Well, so let me ask you, sir. Uh, yeah. do, do you like coffee? <laughs> I, well, I do like coffee, but... More than that, I like the fact that all of I've got all of the Star Wars Coffee Make Creamer bottles now, thanks to one Riley H. Blanton. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? Well done, uh, who, who yesterday, I was just expecting to pick, because we talked about getting it, and I'm like, well, I'll be up there. I'll get it. Yesterday, there's a box on my porch, and it's, the, it, it's like the lightest box in the world. It's almost an exercise <laughs> in futility. Is it Riley mailed to me an empty Darth Vader Coffee Made Creamer? <laughs> I sure did, folks. Oh, and it's great. So now I have them all. I did collect the whole collect the whole set. But now if anyone if anyone out there has an extra R2D2 droid viewer from the cereal boxes, uh from from your General Mills cereals, I am looking that's the one I need is the R2D2. The call has so, been put out. It's uh Star Wars yeah. Tonight at Gmail dot com. Email us if you have it. Uh Stephanie in the chat was just saying, Have I done the Jack Who spy thing? So these these coincide with the official Star Wars app and there's evidently like a really cool virtual reality experience. And you mm-hmm. and, and this is the advantage of doing the video version. If you guys are listening on the podcast, go to youtube.com slash user slash Star Wars Report. Be sure to subscribe. I'm gonna pull out the Kylo Ren set here. And you're going to see a really cool kind of box of, uh, of a kind of high-quality cardboard uh, hardened surface that has these two lenses attached to it. And then it unfolds and has like a pocket for your smartphone so that it turns into uh, a glasses case that you then use as like the accelerometer and stuff evidently so that when you look around in, in your room, you're looking around inside the 3D environment of the Star Wars app. Uh, and and it's funny that I should mention that this is a really good opportunity to say this is the perfect time to give one away, wouldn't you say, Steve? I think so, Riley. Let's do it. I, so I'm here's glad to take one. Thank you so much. 
disqualified as a co-host, I'm afraid. So sorry, sir. Um. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what, this is what we're going to do. Because we've had a ton of folks helping us out and uh, leaving reviews on iTunes. We're giving out all kinds of prizes. Speaking of swag, I'm, gi- I'm giving half of it back away. So here's what you want to do. You want to leave us a review on iTunes. Go to StarWarsReport.com slash Star Wars Tonight iTunes. All run together. All one word. That takes you to the iTunes store or just search for us on iTunes. Star Wars Tonight. Leave a rating and review. And then just shoot me an email, StarWarsTonight at gmail.com. Uh, with your Apple ID, and uh, I'll just kind of check back, make sure you left a review and all that good stuff, and then uh, I'll get your mailing info and send out the grand prize winner. So the person, so like people listening live now who haven't left a review, obviously, if you've already gotten swag, we're not sending, a, we're not doing double dipping. All right, all right, we're gonna all play nice now. But uh, but here's your chance: the first person to email me gets this very Kylo Ren virtual reality experience uh, goggles from Verizon. And I've got second and third price uh, uh, place prizes as well to mail out to the next three people who uh, email us. I feel, very, I feel very NPR fundraiser. The next three colors are going to get posters and uh, prints and magazines and other things that people are sending to us. Because Lord knows I don't have room for it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but that's that's the way. Uh, Steve, I can't wait for you to actually see this studio because you can kind of see the cool background. But it's just like slowly now that school is mostly over, I've got two tests left um, and uh, I'm pretty much prepared for them. So it's all just like Star Wars season all the way. I'm spending time putting up posters and building Lego sets and just like just jumping in the deep end um, more than I are have we, ever before. Are we going to try and record something Tuesday night? Well, it's uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked because... We have the return of the Justin Monday night because I I didn't book the last week intentionally. I knew it would be the final days and it'd be crazy. But I just talked to Justin Robert Young. I will have him and hopefully I'm going to be getting in touch with his good buddy Brian Brushwood because fun, fun story, Steve, announced right at the end of yesterday's episode. Justin Robert Young had grand plans to go to the brand spanking new Alamo Draft House in Los Angeles. However... those the one plans. in Los Angeles or the one in Nebraska? Uh, Los Angeles. No, he's not. He's a, he's an Oakland resident in California, so that'd be a pretty pretty long trip. But no, he uh, he had grand plans um, to go see it, uh, experience it, have a great time with some of his friends there, and we were talking about it. And it, but unfortunately, duty has called. Uh, he is uh, launching a really creative and awesome project with Brian Brushwood in the week leading up to The Force Awakens. I can't reveal any of the details here, but suffice it to say, it's really awesome. So you should stay tuned to our Twitters, uh, and we'll be getting the info out soon. But he will be in Austin, sir! Uh, and so <laughs> it's almost like, um, if only we could just like fly Scott Rifen out and Amy Ratcliffe, <laughs> we would have all the co-hosts in the same place watching the screening. Um, but I'm very excited, man. It's, really, it's a really great, um, great opportunity. So, yeah. But I'll tell you what, man, we've got a lot to talk about. So, in, in fact, I thought doing a daily podcast would kind of satiate the flood of news. I find myself with so many stories and so many mm-hmm. interviews and new audio clips and Good Morning America segments and Carrie Fisher being crazier in each subsequent one. Bless uh, her heart. Bless, bless her soul. Her and her dog, Gary, who is now, as he well should be, a viral sensation. Um, yeah, that, tongue, that tongue hanging out. There should be a Twitter's account called Gary's Tongue. Oh, I mean, like... It's a matter of time, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to highlight this piece that came out this morning from Anthony Bresnikin, uh, of course, of Entertainment Weekly, writer extraordinaire. He hosted the big Force Awakens panel at, uh, uh, at Celebration Anaheim. 
and and famously, I sat in the audience, looking off to the side and saying, "Who is this guy? Who's Anthony Bresnikin? Why isn't James Arnold Taylor up there?" That was what I was asking. But he's actually turned out now that I've actually corresponded with him a little bit here and there. He's a really cool guy. Um, and now I feel terrible about it. I'll I'll be sure to never say anything about it publicly. Oh wait. Um, <laughs> But uh, he's been doing this video series on Entertainment Weekly that kind of does a a nice feature on some aspect of the uh, Star Wars universe. He's talked about the Force, some of the different characters, and they're doing a video each week in the lead-up. And he does this really cool kind of um, uh, behind-the-scenes story of the Millennium Falcon, uh, how it was constructed, or or do you say Falcon? 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 Uh, Um, um, uh, Back and forth. I was going to say, if you go for the Harrison Ford pronunciation, he's like, I'm Han Solo, captain of the Millennium Falcon. If I say if I say the Falcon, I'm if I just say Falcon, yeah, I say Falcon. Yeah, I, but I I do tend to go Millennium Falcon. Yeah, when you add the two together, it's kind of natural. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we do know one thing, Steve. What's that? It flies with destiny. Anyway, um, or <laughs> you know, I fall in the Teresa camp, don't you? Oh, I do. No, well, let me I, let me. I take that back. I'm not so. I'm not as harsh as she is. I, I dig what you've done. I'm all for it. Like, you know, it's your show. You do it your way. You do you, boo, as they say. <laughs> but um, but I, I prefer the techno over the Falcon. Well, uh, it's true. It's like all of my host, co-hosts do, for the most part, with the exception. But uh, but the Twitter poll is sp- spoken, which which Scott got really mad at me for doing. Probably justly so, because you know me, Steve. You know me. Best, this was some of the best podcasting I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Uh, that that when when Scott was getting all over you about that, I loved it. Uh, yeah, no, I deserved it. But uh, but all right, so let's go to Anthony Bresnikin. He's talking about the Millennium Falcon here, and just listen really closely, Steve, and see if anything jumps out to you here. Here we go. Hello, yeah. Scott. A complete overhaul in the Force Awakens before director J.J. Abrams decided tried and true was probably preferable to newfangled. They pushed it very far in the concept illustrations, trying to imagine what a really different, radically futuristic Falcon might look like. And the main reason they wanted to do this was they wanted the ship to be instantly recognizable as part of this new trilogy, instead of just getting confused with the original. So there is one major eye-catching alteration. This Falcon has a rectangular radar dish instead of a circular one like the original. But there's a very good plot reason for that, too, beyond just routine maintenance over 30 years. That was too close. There it is. Yep. Anything jump out to you, Steve? Uh, well, the, the fact that they are talking about doing a, doing a more futuristic-looking Falcon, I'll be honest with you, I've seen some stills and some pictures where the cockpit looks a lot different. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot, so and so that kind of and so I've been kind of anxious to see inside the cockpit to see what they're doing or if that w- or even if what they're showing is actually the cockpit of the Falcon or if it's just some clever uh, editing in a trailer type situation. But um, but yeah, I mean obviously you know that's the first thing we all noticed was that rectangular that rectangular shaped dish yep. on top rather than the round the round disc that we were all you know familiar with for years and years and years. Yeah, the it's one taking some getting used to. Not gonna lie to you, taking some getting used to. That was too close. Uh, yeah, that well, and it, close. evidently it was going to be a lot different from the early concept stages, but then Abrams decided to, uh, like he said, go for the more tried and true with just some, I guess, minor alterations. Because if you like, if you ask my mom when when we see the trailer, if she would immediately notice the differences of the Falcon, you wouldn't. But I remember looking at that at Star Wars Celebration at that exhibit with all the models and costumes. That was one of the first things I noticed. Was man. 
It's you get to see the um, the radar dish is just totally different. Mm-hmm. I wonder uh, how maybe we'll. I hope they reference it somehow. Like Han Solo still bitter about uh, him not not getting a scratch on it because that emphatically is a scratch. Dude, as a kid, I obsessed over that. I I obsessed over that, and I obsessed over the fact that Luke went back to Tatooine to save Han. Like, it never, for whatever reason, hyperbole never settled in on me as a child, so that when Lando said, she won't get a scratch, I promise, and that dish falls off, I was like, I kind of thought it was a joke. I'm like, well, that's funny. He said not a scratch, and there he is. Ah, you know. Um, But then I was also like, well, that's going to be a fallout, because he promised not a scratch. But then also... In Star Wars and A New Hope, you know, Ben tells Luke, you're going to have to sell your speeder. And he's like, that's fine. I'm never coming back to this rock again. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around and he goes back in Jedi. If you only know, he had had that speeder. A, it never dawned on me as a kid that that's okay. He was going to save his friend. I was just like, Luke said he was never going back. And it's a, a waste of a speeder, too. Yeah, well, you know, ever since the B-28s came out, they're just not in demand. Well, I'm going to tune in. Uh, there, you, all good observations, but what I think uh, is particularly significant is when he mentions that uh, the radar dish and that there's a significant plot reason for it to be changed, not just that. Either he's referencing, of course, just the, the change, obviously, in Return of the Jedi where uh, the radar dish gets knocked off, but there's a twinkle in his eye. And I'm guessing that... Uh, and a part of this is colored by an email I got from a listener uh, of the Star Wars report that I promptly had to stop reading and then sent because it was speculation, but extremely well-grounded speculation. But it makes me wonder. And again, I I'll actually go ahead and throw out a semi-spoiler warning because if this is true, it's not ter- a terrible spoiler. But if it's true, it could be nice to learn it in the film. Uh, but I think... Man, it's see. I'm getting more and more uh, cautious too, Steve, as we get close to the uh, event. But suffice to say, we'll put it this way: I think this is pretty safe. But skip for like 40 seconds if you're not uh, if you're worried. I think the Millennium Falcon has a a significant role in the explanation of what went down between the end of Return of the Jedi and uh, the beginning of this movie. And I think that the Battle of Endor didn't end the way that we would think it ends in Return of the Jedi. That's at least my... I think I won't go into specifics, but I think that's, uh, that's my thoughts. Oh, wait a second. How do you mean? I just don't think... I, so, like... Um, and, I, of course, I'm going to ref- reference it because it's a great show. I was listening to it earlier today, but uh, Rebels Declassified from Rebel Force Radio. Kyle Newman was talking about how every, the marketing's talking about how the Jedi are just legend. And he's like, eh, it's, it's not like we pretend Vietnam didn't happen. We all know... Why would they be legend? Why would nobody know who Luke Skywalker was? I mean, nobody knew who he was except for a handful of rebel soldiers. And even in Return of the Jedi, it's not like he was in there on the intercom saying, Commander Skywalker's taking command of the of Red, Red Squadron. He wasn't. Um, in fact, he was in a personal duel. And I think that if a large part of the Imperial fleet escaped while they may have lost uh, control of the whole galaxy, I, I think that there's some version of an empire, obviously, that has survived and uh, transformed and I think for some reason, obviously, we haven't seen Luke Skywalker anywhere. I think there's legitimate reason to think that, um, you know, these are legends. Well, I tell you, I, I think that that the Jedi and because what what Han says in the trailer is it's true, all of it, the dark side, the Force, the Jedi, uh, it's all true. I think that that aspect of everything that happened in the original trilogy is still kind of 
confusing and legendary to people. Yeah. Because though we as viewers and, and, and consumers of this story experience the Return of the Jedi, the Return of the Jedi happened between three people, two of which died. Yeah. You know? That's true. And, That's true. And, and, you're very, and you're very correct. You know, Luke was known for blowing up the first Death Star. He was Commander Skywalker at Hoth. After Hoth, think about this. After Hoth, he leaves, he goes to Dagobah. He comes to Cloud City, not in any rebel mission, but just to save his friends, where he promptly gets his hand chopped off. They do go back to the rebel rendezvous point, but then he's off on his own mission again with his friends to save Han Solo. They go back to the rebel rendezvous point, okay, after they've got Han, and they leave to go to Endor, and you said it great. Luke had no part in... Uh, and what happened on the mission on Endor, other than to get them there, to, you know, get there with them and leave yep. to go front Vader. What Luke was doing was very important, but it was happening in a, in a way that most people didn't understand or could comprehend just how vital what was going on in that throne room was. So, and so when Luke comes back, it's, yeah, the Emperor's dead. Well, whose word do we have for that? We have Luke's word. But just because the emperor is dead doesn't mean the rest of the empire is going to face it. Now there's a power vacuum, and everyone's going to be trying to fill that power vacuum. Yep. Uh, everyone who was, you know, who was trying to get close to the emperor so that they could have the power is now going to try to step in and fill that power vacuum. Aftermath does a really good job. The book Aftermath does a good job of kind of showing what happens on Coruscant right after they tear the emperor's statue down. Well, and that is that stormtroopers come and break up the party. Yeah, and I have now that you reminded me of that. That's so true. I, I I'd forgotten about that because I've not read Aftermath, but it, it does Aftermath. And I'll just ask you uh, if you don't mind. So maybe some minor spoilers there. But is it left indicated that everyone celebrated and the Empire was totally overthrown and forgotten about? No, in fact, it was a it was actually a scene, uh, a, an excerpt that Entertainment Weekly I think got around. They got Admiral Ackbar's speech, but also. I think they had what happened there on, on Coruscant. The, the scene shifts to Coruscant where mm-hmm. they're having the big party. The statue comes down. And yep. as the statue comes down, stormtroopers come rolling in. And, you know, the people have already thrown one over, over the side. Well, now the rest come in and they start making arrests. They start, you know, shooting up the place and uh, even kill a few people. Yeah. And that sets some events into motion. Um, the Empire is still very much at work. Um, Aftermath ends on a bit of a cliffhanger as far as like there's someone out there and they don't know who it is and there's been a lot of speculation as to who that person is but I I think that what we're seeing and I think J.J. Abrams even said it you know that the idea of the First Order is what if after World War II all of the Nazis who really were loyal to Hitler and who really did buy into his, uh, his, his philosophies and ideas and everything what if they all just moved to a mountain in Argentina? Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. just began to be, and begin to build back up from there. You know, this is kind of that idea that you've got an organization now who is who is trying to maintain their grip on the galaxy, um, and the resistance is a group who is just trying to stop that from happening. Who's who is literally they're not a rebellion; they are resisting the rise again of an evil empire, uh, of evil in the galaxy. So um, I don't, you know, back to the Millennium, to bring it back around to the Millennium Falcon situation, 
I think that the plot point that he he was talking about was exactly that, was the plot point in Jedi. And I think that's what we're all supposed to think of and think about when we see the new radar dish. Yeah. I, I think what's more interesting is where has the Falcon been since Return of the Jedi? You know, whose mm-hmm. hands has it been in? Because the scene in that trailer we saw at Celebration, Chewie were home. That's Han and Chewie on the Falcon, and Han there as though he hasn't been there in a while. So I, that's what it looks like, man. It is. It's um So I'm thinking I'm thinking the Falcon has a story of its own. And you're talking about beyond just oh a, a a humorous note if they replace the radar disc. You're talking about and he mentions in the video um that it's rebuilt. So I wonder like like who rebuilt it because there are diff- there are some significant differences if you, as you look closely at this Falcon uh, from a construction point of view it 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 doesn't look the same. Well, if you look at the big toy they've got right now, there's a huge cannon that pops out of the middle and fires a Nerf dart. <laughs> Can you imagine that at the end of the movie? Like, holy cow! Uh, yeah, what if that's the big moment? Like, that's the thing that's kind of I've been wondering. I'm like, <laughs> what happens if I'm watching this movie? And all of a sudden, someone says, well, watch this. And they press a button, and the top unfolds, and this huge cannon pop. I'm like, I now have to have that toy. I thought it was just a gimmick, but it's actually a plot device. It's, yeah, man. (laughs) That would be amazing. It kind of goes down to what we were talking about on our Empire Strikes Back uh, watch party, in that what needs to happen to this movie is whatever this new super weapon is, this Starkiller base, it needs to... Uh, attack a rebel base, but there'd be a giant gaseous planet in the way, and it just blows it up and then subsequently destroys the base. <laughs> not, not unlike... Well, not unlike Robot Chicken. Was that Robot Chicken, or what was that? Uh, they... That was, I think, how it should have ended on YouTube. <laughs> right, how it should have ended. Here's the thing. I don't know. Now now you're getting me off on a tangent, but I'll go there because you opened the door, sir. I sure so I did. Step right, through. step right through, sir. Uh, the, the weapon had to charge. Mm-hmm. You know, you... If you fired it once, it's obviously going to have to charge again, so there'd still be time there. Um, you, I think you were dealing with an empire that didn't want to just willy-nilly blow things up for the sake of blowing things up, you know. Um, they'd already blown up Alderaan, and there's no telling what kind of calamity that caused in hyperspace lanes and that sort of thing. So it's probably an idea of the moon, blowing up the moon of this gas giant is going to do a lot less damage to the galaxy than blowing up this planet. Oh, and yeah, that's true. You know, so, um, but also the idea of people like make the joke of why didn't they just come out on the side where the moon was? Well, then you don't understand space travel. You know, <laughs> you can't just suddenly appear there. You got to. This is true. This they, is true. The, the, the gas giant was in the way, so they had to get there and go around it. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that's so true. That's so true. Uh, well, uh, uh, excellent. I, I, I do want to take a moment, though, uh, to thank uh, the folks supporting this show uh, and uh, take a brief moment to thank our patrons. Uh, you, too, can support us and join this fine community of folks at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. We are in the final week. We've got one more bonus Friday show that we're going to be putting up for everyone supporting us at any level uh, as part of the network. And we really do thank everyone who's jumped in in the last week or two, uh, specifically in just in the last week, uh, Kai, Mario, Matt, Devin, and uh, today, uh, Daniel and Robbie. Um, so I really appreciate everyone who's jumped on board to help support uh, daily content because it's been a blast. It's not really sustainable, but like we're embracing the moment here while we're there, and we're doing our best to provide you guys all kinds of bonus audio and, uh, of course, T-shirts and all that good stuff. If you want to check out the goodies that we offer, you can just go to patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. 
Uh, and I also want to take a moment before, uh, right while we're at the middle of the show, because I realized, Steve, there's a problem. I would do these plugs right at the end when everyone jumps off ship. It's sort of the it's the equivalent of uh, Padme in Episode Three when three PO's freaking trying to land the thing on Mustafar, and there's lava shipping around, and she just jumps out and runs down the ramp before it even finishes landing. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's another thing. So don't instead of uh, waiting till everyone's jumping off the ship to make this announcement. After that extended analogy, uh, I want to mention our uh, live watch party. Our final live watch party uh, is this Saturday. That is Saturday the twelfth at eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We got uh, Eric Schernervice joining us. Uh, Teresa's waiting in the wings, waiting to see if she'll be available. And uh, assuming that she's uh, finally able to overcome uh, a really bad case of strep throat, um, my sister will make a grand appearance on the finale of our live watch parties of the Star Wars movies. So uh, make sure that you head over to starwarsreport.com slash live on that night. Again, that's 8 p.m. this Saturday, Saturday the 12th, and head to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starwarsreport. I have not set it up. I'll be doing it later tonight for you guys uh, watching live. Uh, a Facebook event where you can RSVP and get a reminder, and it'll have all the ongoing updated info there as we get more details. But, uh, but yeah, let's cap it off. Let's make it a big deal. It's been, it was a huge, huge event last week, much bigger than I thought, uh, watching A New Hope. So. I have a question about your, your live watch party. Sure Ryan. thing. Uh, you've been building some Legos during this thing. I sure have. Building- what, uh, what have you built? What are some things? Because I've not had the opportunity to be around to watch. Here's the thing, Steve, is that I start building a lot of things during these watch parties, but I never finish them because I get distracted and then sit down. Uh, it was sort of like a victory. Everyone was taking bets in the chat of when I would finally give up and just join in the, in the live watch party fully. But, uh, but the main thing that I, that I built during and then I finished it afterwards uh, this past Saturday, I'm going to reach back here on the video version. For everybody, again, that's youtube.com slash user slash Star Wars Report. And you're going to see this awesome, uh, there we go, X-Wing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's, the old Dago, it's from the old Dagobah uh, Lego set. So I'm, I've, I still have to build Yoda's hut. Um, but, no. yeah. I'm telling you, man, it's been an absolute blast. We're doing all kinds of fun stuff. But uh, I was so uh, disappointed I was going to bite the bullet. They had the new Cantina set on clearance at, at the Walmart here locally. Oh, nice. And I, and I almost... I almost bought it the other night, and I said, no, no, no. And then I went uh, earlier this week. I had to go to Walmart, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and bite the bullet on that. And they had like three sets sitting there for like two or three weeks, and then I go over there uh, mm-hmm. earlier this week, and they're gone. So yeah. I missed out on my opportunity for that. I know. I know. It's, it's in high demand. Uh, I was doing some Christmas shopping at, uh, like I said, Toys R Us, and uh, like they were near, like, I think they had one out of a giant stack that had been there. There's this giant gaping hole in the Lego section where the Millennium Falcon should go. And those things are expensive, and they weren't even on sale. They're just uh, selling like hotcakes. Yeah, well, this isn't... I, wasn't, I, was, I was doing a clearance Moss Eisley set, so not the Millennium Falcon at all. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, can't, I can't bite the bullet on that. Those Legos are expensive. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'll, I'll never forget, Steve. Um, Years ago, it was in the um, Episode 1 documentary that accompanied the DVD. And it actually mm-hmm. accompanied, uh, the first way I saw it was on an old VHS tape where they actually tacked it onto the end of the film. Uh, I think it's called The Beginning, if, that, if memory serves me correctly anyway. Um, I think memory's not serving you correctly. That, that documentary wasn't on until the DVD. Oh, that wasn't until the DVD? Yeah. There was no VHS with that documentary on it, sir. Well, that's like 
two hour documentary. Let's see, episode one. Because I'm you're probably you're almost certainly right, sir. Because uh, my memory is very fuzzy on such things. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars. It's a great documentary. By the it's the only one that they really gave the full making of treatment. Oh. And I was wishing they would have done it for two and three. Ah, uh, it's it's really well done. It's really well done. As I've mentioned uh, once before, uh, it's distinct because I remember there was cursing on it, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Wait, on a Star Wars? There's cursing in a Star Wars DVD? <laughs> I didn't even know they could do that." <laughs> uh, and of course, it was Ewan McGregor. Let's all be honest. That's uh, highly expected. But um, watching it, I'll never forget. At the end, it kind of culminates with. Uh, a screening, an opening night screening at episode one, where they're shooting footage of the fans as they first let them into the theater, and that you know this one fan, the first two who rush in, one bolts straight back to the theater, and the other one falls on the carpet and kisses the floor, and then you see Rick, uh, Rick McCallum standing there, and comedically he his, he he also uh, drops a little s bomb, but it's bleeped. <laughs> so right, right. These are the things you remember when you're like 14 watching something. At least for me. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but I, I I'll never forget because watching that it was just uh, the first time I really I think got a full picture of what fandom was like at that time and I think that's something that uh, so many younger fans just don't know um, of of the level of fanaticism and excitement surrounding um, episode one and we're finally kind of getting to that stage here I would say if not more so with the Force Awakens but in this book that I just finished last week uh, in fact Justin chastised me uh, as I told the story of the author literally handing me an autographed copy, and I still didn't read it until uh, at Celebration. didn't read it until uh, this past week. And that is How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really well done. It's a, it's a kind of a nice linear chronicling of a lot of fandom that I think you, Steve, and, and I was as well familiar with, like Albin Johnson and the advent of the 501st and uh, the Mando Mercs, as well as uh, all, all the early behind the scenes of George Lucas's uh, creative process and, and what was called back then the Posse, right? John Dykstra, all those guys. And it's a really nice linear um, look at the whole Star Wars phenomenon. I can't recommend it highly enough. But, uh, but this one section of that episode one documentary that I still remember to this day is featured in a, in a chapter where he, he's gone back and interviewed a lot of these guys and talked about the early... Uh, early times when people started lining up for the Phantom Menace. Specifically, it wasn't the El Capitan Theater, uh, but it was was a famous theater in Hollywood. I've blanked on the name. That that footage... I think that was it. Yeah, that that was the theater. Famously, at the episode one screening where uh, Francis Ford Coppola walked out in the middle of the movie to smoke a cigarette... Uh, during an early screening but but that that famous line was there for like over a month and it was a big communal event and they had shifts as everyone kind of they worked out there it was very it was i'm trying to think of the right word it was very uh communal or communal if i might add uh, where they figured out their own system of whoever waited in line this long would get access to one ticket and then they would go through shifts and try to get more uh, and it was just incredible to read about these different fans uh, and their background and, and why, how they landed there together in this unique experience. And I, I just really enjoyed it. But I say all that to say, uh, Steve, people are lining up from the New York Times. Uh, their featured article today, this is by Brooks Barnes. Uh, he has a piece up called Star Wars The Force Awakens Fans Are Already Lining Up. And I say already, like they're two weeks overdue by Phantom Menace timeline. That's true, uh, but uh, but yeah, you've got the whole uh, 
pre-sales and everything that are yes, these days. Yes, absolutely. It, the culture has changed so much, but it's such an institution of Star Wars fandom that uh, Jesse Casper and Nicholas Johnson are among the first fans lining up outside of what was formerly called Man's Chinese Theater. And uh, there's an Australian woman there. There's there's all kinds of folks, and and they're just they're participating in a kind of excitement that I thought was a bygone era. But the more we get closer to the Force Awakens, the more I'm reminded of what I've learned, especially in books like How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. Uh, things haven't changed. Everything is everything is. Uh, I'm going to quote Mark Hamill from the behind the scenes right. I mean, nothing's really changed, but everything's changed. <laughs> right. Well. It's it's interesting, uh, you know. There, though, records have been broken on as far as like internet pre-sales and that sort of thing goes. Uh, I'm looking here in this article. AMC Theater says that they still have three and a half million tickets available. Um, Thirty-six AMC theaters will run The Force Awakens around the clock. So you're talking about a 24-hour period, at wow. least for a few days, where at any given time during the day, Star Wars will be being shown. In 36 different theaters yeah. uh, in the country. Um, yeah. You know, so it's it's a whole different thing. Where we're going, they have reserved seating, so we don't have to wait in line to get the best seat. You know, our seats are are, are reserved, with like, like if you went to a concert or something, you know. Uh, but uh, I remember, man, I'd, I never lined up for more than a few hours. But uh, but I've I've done the line thing and it is it is fun at Celebration Three at Star Wars Celebration Three George Lucas was making a rare on stage appearance he was doing three different uh, times uh, one day during Star Wars Celebration Three and people were lining up for it the night before and there was that whole idea of and and no one at the no one who was running the con at that time it was a different organization than runs the uh, than, than runs the cons now than runs celebrations now. Uh, no one had given any information about, you know, what are you going to do with these people that are lining up? How are we going to handle getting it? It, it was it had kind of been in some instances uh, a bit of a, a hassle the way that things were done at that particular uh, celebration. But as we talked to different fans, like somehow the word got around to everybody, uh, we're going to do it this way. And when they start handing out, you know, wristbands, um, then then we'll be here ready for them, and uh, you know. And and my friend and I, we we considered waiting in line overnight. And I said, you know what? No, not this time. I just don't. And so I ended up doing that pretty much at, at Celebration Five. But uh, but at C uh, at C three there, man, it was the same way. The the fans began to work together to make uh, to make it happen and to help each other out, rather than there wasn't a, a bunch of elbowing and shoving and pushing trying to get in. You know, everyone's like, yeah. we're going to make sure that everyone who wants to get in here will. Yes, no, I definitely. It's and that's part of Star Wars fandom. That's part of what makes it so special. At any, if you've ever been to a Star Wars celebration, you know there's a very uh, special uh, sense and um, and really just uh, sanity to the community. Uh, as weird as that sounds, because uh, I do like the way that we tend to self organize and use our, our passions for good. And that's one thing that this book talks about so much when you're talking about people like the 501st and you're talking about the Mando Mercs and the whole Where Star Wars Share Star Wars Day and things like, you know, like the R2KT for Alvin Johnson's daughter who had cancer. Uh, it's just really, it never gets old. And I really, there are times where I realize just how involved people are just here in the Atlanta uh, fan community. Uh, it mm-hmm. just blows my mind. I wish I could be more involved than I am. But that's just the way it goes, man. 
I would think you'd be spearheading that community up there. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Uh, I wish. I wish. Um, but uh, sadly, I just need more time. Uh, there was a, a press conference that uh, TechCrunch was at. In fact, they have an article, I think, interestingly dubbed, quote, 67 photos from inside Disney's secret Star Wars press event. Ooh. Uh, did you get your uh, invite, Steve? To the press event? Yeah. Yeah, I did, but I just couldn't make it. Huh. Yeah, I told him. How no, about that? I told him thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, yeah, no, I, um, I really, uh, yeah. No, I, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. I, 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 that press event, man. It was, um, hers great. Her <laughs> It is great. <laughs> uh, what came out? I mean, other than the Jar Jar and the Ewok thing, what came out of it? Well, Steve, I'm glad you asked because actually, if you want, we'll, we'll throw it in the show notes to this episode as well on, on uh, StarWarsReport.com. But uh, it, everybody was there. It was uh, basically all the cast and crew, including Harrison Ford, uh, which mm-hmm. is awesome. They had a T-shirt printing machine, handing out T-shirts. Man, this sounds like a great event. Uh, great event. I just. Just going to leave that there. Uh, they had, of course, the fully working BB-8 was present. Uh, and uh, everyone was taking pictures with it. <coughs> except me. <coughs> uh, and uh, there was also J.J. Uh, Abrams as well. And so they had, of course, a bunch of the costumes on display as well. But what I kind of wanted to highlight uh, was actually some of the Q&A itself. Uh, sure. And I actually, let me, uh, I'm going to jump through because so, I don't want to get any of the quote wrong. So I'm going to scroll through like... 45 of the other pictures that are all literally of all the costumes uh, over and over again. Although, I will say this, Captain Phasma looks incredible, even in a... It, it looks sort of surreal in the trailers, but Captain Phasma in these up-close shots, just insane. So, it was uh, so in a surprise, it was moderated by uh, Mindy Kaling, and uh, evidently it was pretty... Yeah, what's that play. about? I mean, didn't you get your call, Steve? I, I thought uh, you were going to... Well, I mean, look, I like I like Mindy. She's great. Uh, she's funny. She's charming. She's beautiful. I don't understand how she got tapped to be the one who was moderating this particular thing. Why not a Bresnikan? Why not? Uh, I was going to say, know. you know who should? Anthony Bresnikan. Now, that's a true professional host. I would never doubt his, uh, his uh, professionalism and hosting quality ever. Let it be known. You've, you've already said. <clears throat> Send this clip of audio <laughs> right to... I didn't realize Mindy Kaling had had that geeky bone in her body, though. I did not. I did not know either. And they divided into two forty-five minute uh, panels. And the first one was Oscar Isaac, Gwendolyn Christie, John Boyega, Kathleen Kennedy, Harrison Ford, uh, and man, it was, it looks good. So here's the quote: Our Ewoks in this one. Crowd laughs. Quote: No, no Ewoks in this film. But there are lots in Return of the Jedi. Oh, see, they skip. They skip past the quote. The, the, the come on tech crunch the best quote was not alive anyway uh it's a laughter all right all right so yub nub uh also jar jar eh, not in it kathleen kennedy no jar jar definitely not in the movie again kind of just humor that i think we just have to endure it's just the way it goes um do we have to for it though although I mean, oscar isaac did say this is a pretty good quote that jar jar is kylo ren <laughs> well, he said that was one of his favorite fan theories. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. I forget about that. Yeah, that, that's that's so true. And then um, 
I'm trying to remember. There was one last thing. Okay, yeah, here's really what I wanted to ask you about, Steve. And we mentioned it briefly in the episode yesterday. But when asked about whether or not there would be any stingers in the film, any, like, Easter egg moments right at the very end, a la Marvel style, uh, and there are a lot of pictures in this, JJ says, quote, No. All the movie scenes are, comma, you know, comma, in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Throw a little shade there towards the old Marvel crew. (laughs) No, no, no. I don't think that's throwing shade. Marvel has set up this way of doing things. Marvel movies are comic book movies, uh, are comic books brought to the big screen. And and if you read a lot of comics... um, you know, used to comics, and, and they still do to to an extent. The story itself will be over, and then there'll be a page that's just an epilogue that may have something to do with what you've just seen, or it may have something to do with setting up what's to come. And and what the little snippet scenes at the end of the Marvel movies are are just epilogues. You know, um, they're, they're buttons on on the film, and uh, and but that's never been the way Star Wars has done things, and so I don't think that they should start now. I think that you've got, when you're doing Star Wars, and I've said this again and again and again, there's a visual language, there's a style to it, and I don't think that you need to, as Star Wars, try to do what everyone else or what other people have been doing. Star Wars sets the tone. Star Wars raises the bar and sets the bar at a certain thing for everyone else to get to. And and so to do what Marvel's been doing, there's no sense in it because that's a, that's a Marvel thing. And it works for Marvel, but I don't think it's needed for Star Wars. What's this? The 17th episode of uh, Star Wars Tonight in the proverbial can. Well said, Steve. It is a different universe. It is very different from uh, the world of Marvel Comics, even though there are comparisons to be made. Um, but I think if we did a stinger, I would still be open to it for uh, spinoff films, but eh, maybe not so much for the, the-, for the um, I guess, the saga films, for lack of a better term. Folks, you can reach out to us. It's uh, StarWarsTonight at gmail.com. Make sure that you are subscribed and leaving those ratings and reviews in iTunes. Be sure to send your username, uh, your Apple username, to me via email, StarWarsTonight at gmail.com. Next uh, three people. I'll be making this announcement on Twitter, too, so get on it if you're listening live. Uh, If you've not received a prize yet from me, shoot me an email, and I'll be sending out uh, the Kylo Ren virtual reality goggles as well as some other fun posters and magazines so star wars tonight at gmail.com leave your ratings and reviews get the word out we do appreciate it steve where can folks find you geekoutpodcasts.com is the place to go my friend geekoutpodcast.com there you'll find all the different shows that are done that we do almost daily at uh, geekoutpodcast.com been doing it for a while now i don't know how you do it steve because i'm gonna I, i'm gonna be sad and happy all at the same time when this uh, when this whole project ends this whole experiment in nightly podcasting thank you uh, thanks again to all our supporters on patreon uh, thanks to kai mario matt Devin, and daniel as well as robbie uh for us uh, jumping in on the supporting uh the support train you can do so as well patreon.com slash star wars report follow us on twitter it's at star wars tonight and uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at Steve Glosson and at The Riley Guy. The Riley Guy. Until next time, may the Force be with you. And, uh, and emphatically, don't. Don't get eaten by Ewoks.
Just don't do it. No, no, don't do it. There's little Muppet walks. Uh-huh. Stop the video edition. Thanks to everybody watching on YouTube. And then uh, we'll cap off our uh, audio edition. Thanks again for uh, listening just a few more days of this. It's hard to believe. Yeah, so we're going to, like, I'll, I'll literally around this time be on the road next week. I know. So I know. They just have to do You just call me as I'm on, on, on route. There we go. I like it. I think we'll have to do it. I like that. It's a, it's a date. It's a it's a virtual date. 